Welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics Podcast. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all the things culture doesn't want to talk about. That will scare you. All right, so today we've got a really special guest in the studio. We sure and, do. And I say that a lot, but today I really mean it, okay? <laughs> today, we, I mean, we have Noblesville we'd Mayor. We'd like to apologize to all of our former guests that we've had. <laughs> They're not listening. uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Uh, today we have Noblesville Mayor Chris Jensen. Chris, welcome to the studio. Man, I feel like a rock star right now. (laughs) This is like, this is awesome. This is awesome. I sound so good on this microphone. Your voice is like, it's like butter, man. This is is unbelievable. It's smooth. Gosh, I've never felt so good about myself. Speaking of butter, oh, have yeah. you been laying off the butter, oh, Micah? My you gosh. look a little thinner. I oh, I do. Thank you, and you as well, Nathan. Yes. I mean, you you are you've dropped a lot of weight. It, I have. This is April first, so we're recording this on April first. So you missed maybe a few weeks after that this comes out, but. We had March to 170. Or mar- March to a sexy body at one point, yeah, you call it. Yeah, that's true. That's what it was. Uh, and and so we, how many, in the month of March, you lost how many pounds? Well, all told, I, I think it's probably about 14 pounds. And this all got started because I, you know, I was having a hard time getting disciplined. And I looked at Micah, and he looked like he was having a hard time getting disciplined. <laughs> and I said, Micah, you look fat. Let's co- compete against one another. And uh, you so, know what I said to you? This is what I said to go you. Go home to mommy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we went and decided that we were going to compete against it. We were within a pound of each other. We're the same height, 5'10". So we just got ripping and roaring. Uh, and then, of course, his wife, uh, Susan, who is so precious and so gentle, and she called and said, oh, Peter Nell, you're going down. I was Miss Indiana, and I won the swimsuit competition twice, and we know how to cut weight. Micah's going to beat you, which in which case I called my wife and said, honey, I need help. I don't want, he's got a professional coach. This is not fair. First of all, and I look like I got stung by a thousand bees, <laughs> you know, so it is just what it is. This is a great conversation. No, no, no. You said earlier before we started recording, you've been going to Orange Theory yeah. four days a week for yeah. how many years? Four years. Yes. Four years. Yeah. So I, as I said, my, my friend said, I'm the, one of the fattest fit people you've ever met. <laughs> so uh, I, I can actually run a, a, about a seven minute mile. Holy Amazing. cow. You are 3.1 miles on the treadmill this morning. But I guess if, if you eat a gallon of ice cream with that, it doesn't do much. Well, for see, you. that's Micah's problem yeah. because Whoa. he likes likes brownies and yep. ice cream yep. and I, the other night his son told, said he was going to eat this entire pie that one of the police officers families from Noblesville brought over to your house that's right the Barnes and, family and Dave it was, Barnes yeah and 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 I saw you you were eating the whole pie so it's not. no doubt that I I lost the twice still, the, mu- the well, amount of weight there. that you lost what kind of pie was it it was like a chocolate uh yes. pudding kind of cake yep. you know yep. oh everything is done. Yeah, so I, last weekend my my kids were out of town with my wife they were in Ohio and I went to the grocery store by myself Always a deadly situation, and uh, I love ice. Did you go when you were hungry? Oh, I mean, oh, I'm always hungry. So yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's like a Tuesday, and uh, so so I went down the icing aisle, and they have a new cinnamon toast crunch icing that you put on like a cake of some sort. Oh, so it, it's like vanilla icing with cinnamon and like crunches of sugar in it. So I bought some for myself that weekend. So I was telling my crew at the office, like, oh, what what did you put that on? I was like, a spoon. 
<laughs> literally just spooned it out the entire weekend yeah, long. Ate the whole thing. That's, that's feeling pretty good about myself. That's amazing. Well, and and here's how Nathan got so skinny this month is because he just stopped eating, Chris. Yeah. So no, it's no, true. that's that is absolutely true. So here's what's gonna happen. Like you and I, like we're, we're changing our lifestyle, Chris. Yeah. So like we've we've made lifestyle changes. He just stopped eating. He's gonna have one burger. He's gonna balloon up to 200 pounds, and yeah, it's gonna, gonna that's gonna happen. Gonna happen. I saw Nathan walked in here with with those the new trendy pant for a man that has like the tight ankles you know what i mean like oh, the yeah joggers the, yeah the jogger yeah. it jogger, took me a, it. it took me a while yeah. to actually get myself to a point where i would wear a pair but, yeah i would like to know. wear joggers i would look like a tornado <laughs> if i wore joggers or an upside down traffic cone or uh, so, uh no you'd look tasmanian devil right yes yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yes he looked like the dad on the incredibles right yeah like, that's, yeah yeah, yeah. That's it's, it's just, but so you look great in the joggers hey that is very kind one of these days i'm gonna wear joggers but it may just be body paint my <laughs> that's going to make national news yeah, well, if you, you know if you go out on top my my wife told me i had to get new clothes because I always i've always been behind everything mm-hmm. and uh she she told me this is attractive this is what i want to see you in this and i just go yes honey and so that's why i'm wearing this today plus i my jeans needed wash so yeah. i will say <laughs> jeans now i am wearing jeans from old navy that are now stretchy yeah. Nice. So I I don't know why we didn't have stretchy jeans. No Females, kidding. women always had stretchy jeans, right? It, it changes it, everything. Oh, I, well, I can never go. I wore, I wore I a pair the other day of my non-stretchy jeans. It's just so restricted. It's oh, horrible. I know. Gosh, I, know. I feel like they're gonna blow them out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's double stitch those. Literally, the jeans that they're coming out with men now are finally yes. they're finally good. Oh, they're finally good. Man. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But well, in in so to those of you who have been following the weight loss challenge. Uh, we tied. No, you didn't make it to one. No, you didn't make it to one seventy. That's true. But and the, the goal was one seventy. Eight pounds. I, I lost fourteen pounds. I almost so doubled you. How no. in the world is this? Because a tie? the goal was to world? go to one seventy, Nathan. It's like and some so alternate reality <laughs> where men can compete oh, as women. I didn't realize oh, wait, the goal was. I can tell you, in society today, you'll still get a trophy for coming in second place. You'll get a trophy to come in seventh place. That's right. That's right. My son now goes to all these travel baseball tournaments. You and know, they always and, get trophies. Oh, seventh place. He comes no home way. with a big ring and stuff. I'm like, you're the sixth loser. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was the uh, Super Bowl champ that uh, well, James Harrison J- of the it. Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah. He his his two sons get a participation trophy, mm-hmm. and he comes home. He grabs them and cr- he crushes them in front of their faces <laughs> and goes, "In Pittsburgh, we count championships. We don't do participation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, love right. That. And, and, and there's a time and a place, it, but yeah. you know, yeah. it you was know, really. My fun. thing is, if you're gonna get a participation trips for everything you're not going to have enough room in your house right you know what i mean like you're just <laughs> constant so anyways. put it in your office well, that's you know, true the taxpayers, office. the taxpayers pay for yeah, right exactly you know? right it's not my office it's the people's office micah that's right As you all know, i just just i am a temporary I, office holder. i was just I like testing that you. that is yep, very conservative not of you. my I appreciate office that. No. man that's good yep yep i, I saw your office the other day i did pick out the paint color to see your office it was it is very swanky i laugh so i've been all over the state of indiana and every mayor's office is different you know, but our, ours is pretty nice. Fadness came up one day. Granted, his office is like sinking in Fishers. Okay. They're actually going to rebuild it, but he was floored by that. I have a balcony that overlooks the gas station in downtown Noblesville. <laughs> Thought about starting smoking just so I can go out there. Like, you know, <laughs> Frank Underwood style or something. You know what I mean? I just kidding. It. Just I love kidding. It. Just Ooh, kidding. Uh, that's amazing. So, okay. So, you, we, we, let's jump into the... I'm already getting a little loose here. This, is, right. not, <laughs> this is not good. This is not good. We can edit out <laughs> anything <laughs> for any for a certain amount of money. We right. seem never to do right. Never happens. Never happens. <laughs> no, we do. Uh, one of the things that I really like. So if you ever, um, if you ever want to say like a bad word or anything, yeah. 
Oh, I, yeah. Oh, so, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> just, we don't, we just don't tell me. Say bad words, but but right. Micah loves to play with that. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> button. But. Uh, I said button. <laughs> oh man. Oh, uh, that's funny. Uh, no. So okay. So anyway. So Chris. So we want to talk about a little bit about uh, what the mayor does. Mm. So so just give us a rundown of kind of the roles. This is your this is your first first uh first term first term so yeah. yep so you're in first term you're going to be up for re-election in, in 2023 okay. next year it comes okay. around quickly yep so that's four years so it's up four, four years, years already gone that yeah. fast holy cow yeah all right so what have you uh what have you learned in your four years and then uh, or three years and then what's kind of uh what, what does the mayor do yeah so a mayor you know in charge of really everything operations in the city so i always tell people anytime i met with any elementary school kids i say you know your police officers that you see in your schools around town weren't responsible for that fire uh parks department all the great parks and nobles i'm in charge of i'm in charge of flushing your toilet that's always a fun one kids love that i was like it's got to go somewhere nobles was in charge of that so the mayor's in charge of wastewater treatment plants we're in charge of uh, the street department, making sure your streets are plowed, your trash is picked up. Um, but then even stuff such as engineering, designing roads, um, anything that is operational on the city side every single day, the mayor's in charge of. So Noblesville is, is a, the 10th largest city in the state of Indiana now, 70,000 wow. residents. Wow. Hard to believe I grew up here my entire life. The fact that we have 70,000 residents is unreal. Uh, we have a $93 million annual operating budget. Wow. So we are a, and we have about 480 city employees. So I'm the CEO <laughs> of a business that has 480 employees. Amazing. So uh, it, it's a big job. It's a lot of fun, though, I can tell you. And, and one of the things I've learned the most, your question about what I've learned over the last two and a half years. One, I learned how to deal with a global pandemic. Oh, Wasn't, yeah. Didn't see that one coming. I look at John Ditzler, who's my predecessor. I was like, where's that global pandemic binder you're going to leave me here? You know? So flying blind a little bit there. But um, I think the, the political side I was used to, I worked for the Daniels administration, the Pence administration back in the day. So I've been around politics. I've been on the city council. But I can tell you the one thing that I've learned the most about is and we don't realize this from our elected officials is that you are the CEO of a decent sized company. Yeah. You know, I, I have 480 employees that I, that I deal with every day. So you're dealing with FMLA, EFMLA, all these HR issues. That's been a huge learning curve for me. And I always mm. tell people I came from the private sector. I worked in business. I've never been a CEO before though. Right. So that's probably been the biggest learning curve for me. Did, did you find that when you, you stepped in, like you had an engin engineering background too, right? Don't I you? worked in the engineering world. I was, I was a PR major, but I worked in the engineering world for about six years. Okay. Yeah. So you, you, you've been taking Noblesville from this place of uh, old, uh, keeping tradition alive, but at the same time, you have to now, you have a city of 70,000 yeah. people where, yeah. you know, we didn't have that 20 years ago. And so it's easy to be conservative, traditional when you have you know, 15,000 people, yeah. but now you got 70,000 people trying to get through downtown. What has like, what's that been like? Well, it, it, the way we have our tax structure. So I worked for the Daniels administration in 2009 when we put property tax caps in the state constitution. I was a huge supporter of that effort. I can tell you now as mayor and, and seeing what that does to our funding source <laughs> on the local level, you're like, like what why were we did I do that? You know, we lose it roughly about $5 million annually because of property tax caps. And, and we just have to get more creative. We have yeah. to be, you know, more strategic with taxpayer dollars. So, we have to do more with less. So our tax structure in the state is either you're growing or you're dying. Yeah. So we have mm -hmm. to keep growing as a community and we're going to keep growing. Noblesville is a great place. That's why 70,000 people choose to live here. So, but at the same time, we are rich in history. We are the county seat of Hamilton County. We have folks, um, Which like probably like, really ticks off Fisher. Oh and Carmel. yeah. Well, <laughs> I was laughing cause they sit there and they're building all and people always say, you know, you're just trying to, I'm afraid we're going to turn into Carmel or Fishers as we make some of these changes yeah. in downtown and enhancements. I go, you know, actually Carmel and Fishers are trying to turn into Noblesville. <laughs> That's right. 
they're trying to create their own downtowns. We have the authentic mm-hmm. downtown yeah. of which we are going to continue to protect and preserve going forward. I think the, the toughest job for us right now is how do we grow as a community, grow our tax base so we can continue to offer the services to the public, but also keep that historic hometown feel that we all know and yeah. love about Noblesville. And that's a fine line to walk. And there's about 70,000 opinions on how you do it every <laughs> single day. So uh, I like the fact that you're, that there is the, the property tax cap because you said something interesting. You said, we got to get creative mm-hmm. to find the solutions. And that's the problem with government. Government a lot of times just runs to the easy answer. Like, yeah. well, let's just raise taxes, right? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Let's, let's find out how we can do this resourcefully. Right. And when it, when you're challenged as the mayor to say, well, I can't raise property taxes anymore because the constitution restricts that okay well we got to get creative here i love that that it pushes us down that that way it's no different than a household it's no different than a business or a church that we're sitting in right now you know if you you or your spouse lose a job you have to adjust your spending based on that income that you're coming or or rack up massive amounts of debt that at some point in time you're gonna uh, gonna come calling for yeah you know as a church if 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 during the pandemic your um your your tithing is down you're gonna make decisions based on that going forward and you have to adjust accordingly we are dealing with and working with taxpayer dollars that are given to us to then invest and move the city of nobles forward and oftentimes that makes hard that that requires hard decisions about what are your priorities going forward mm-hmm. i have to have the police department funded in fact i want to lean in and, and fund them even more we can so talk about that you're opposite of defunding. i am absolutely opposite <laughs> of defunding the police good. our fire that's department I, your toilets still have to flush that, that's that's <laughs> yeah. something we can't take off the table yeah. um so you have to look at your core services and how do we do that more efficiently yeah. um and then also part of that p- property tax package was then giving local units of government what they called back in the day a toolbox really all that is is a, a a lot of local um, fees or, or taxes that we can implement if we see fit. Um, personally, I think the state was passing the bucket to locals, but that's fine. You know, and sometimes there are cases where you see a need for something and you go out and you ask the public to support it and get their support and their buy-in and go forward. Yeah. And if not, in four years, you lose your job. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of what it comes down yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. the idea that you, you're, you're, you're looking at how are you going to grow out of this problem? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't as, spend as, your way out of this. You have to grow yourself that, out of this. That's exactly it. We, you know, as, uh, as the pandemic hit and, you know, tides were affected at Life Church and people are not coming, we made a rapid decision that we were not going to get stuck in fear, right? We're, we're, we're not going to stay, that we're not, we're not going to open our services. We're not going to keep, keep growing. And by taking a, a uh, kind of a footing of being aggressive towards, hey guys, we have to go take care of people. If we take care of people, we'll grow. They'll give as they get discipled, and and everything will be fine. Life Church actually grew as a result. We're isn't that the larger. definition of faith? Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, it, you know it, I mean? it totally <laughs> is. But but growing our, ourselves out, we, yeah, you can't save enough. Oh, you don't want to be a spendthrift, but you you have to figure out how are you aggressively going to make people's lives better. Yep. And in order to get us there. So could you talk about some of the things that Noblesville is doing that, that's moving forward with making people's lives better, making people want to move to Noblesville and talk about that? Yeah. So I, I want to touch on your first point there because I vividly remember April of 2020 sitting in our office in the middle of this pandemic. You know, we had the first death in Hamilton County was in Noblesville from the pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. That seems like ages ago. Um, and you kind of you, you're faced with a crossroads. You know, do, do you pull it back, play conservative, just keep the toilets flushing and, and mm-hmm. people safe? Or do you quote unquote lean in on 
on the Noblesville or leaning on Life Church or whatever it may be. I remember Matt Light, who's my deputy mayor, man of faith, great guy. And and he looked at me, he's like, you know, I think we need to bet on Noblesville. And that's what drove us for the and that's what drove us through 2020 and 2021. Cool. We actually announced over $145 million of public private partnership in downtown Noblesville in 2020 alone. In the mm. middle of a pandemic, cool. $145 million of public private investment invested in downtown Noblesville. That showed me that Noblesville was ready to continue to move forward. The private sector was still ready to move forward and that Noblesville was ripe for new opportunity going forward. So, you know, our focus the last two and a half years, to your point, has been to add some residential and retail and commercial space downtown Noblesville. Mm-hmm. Downtown which is flanked by the White River. It has a historic the historic square. More and more people want to live, work, and play in that type of setting, especially when you're seeing some problems in some of our more urban areas mm-hmm. around the Midwest. Mm-hmm. People are flocking to the suburbs, but they still love a suburban, urban feel. We have a downtown, so we started investing in more residential units in downtown Noblesville, mm-hmm. for example. That's going to help drive and support no, more businesses and retail outlets in downtown Noblesville. So we're seeing this influx of people that want to live in the suburbs. They feel safe in the suburbs. They feel at home in the suburbs, but they still want to walk to a coffee shop. They want to walk to lunch somewhere, dinner. We're seeing retirees and empty nesters and and, and uh, baby boomers who are ready to downsize out of that big home. They may want to, they may want to have a apartment in Florida, but they also want to have some place here because they have grandkids here and they mm-hmm. want to downsize, but they want to, they don't want to cook. They don't want to clean. They don't want to worry about maintaining their lawn. They want to live in downtown Noblesville. So we're making massive investments in our downtown. Mm-hmm. You're going to see an influx of, you know, probably about 1600 new residents living in downtown Noblesville over the next couple of years um, going forward. So that's been a big wow. focus for us. Quality of life as well. Yeah. I love how you brought up the police earlier hmm. because I can't tell you how how safe I feel yeah. in this, in this area, you know, like there's, there's places where I tell my wife, Hey, we're carrying, if we go into that area, yeah. you know, and I, I carry gun, you know, as a pastor, I carry gun cause I believe in the second amendment, but I feel like, man, th- this is a great area that I can kind of relax in. We take things for granted sometimes, but I'm so grateful that we have such an amazing police department here in this area. Well, and that's what, you know, as we grow and now that we're this, a city of 70,000 people, we're going to start to see over time problems that cities of 70,000 people are faced with. We mm-hmm. have to face public safety and look at it completely differently than we did 20 years ago when I was growing up in Noblesville. Mm-hmm. And and to your point about defunding the police or funding the police, to me, now is not the time to pull that back. Now is the time to lean in on that and think about new ways that we're helping people. You know, public safety today, you know, we don't honestly put out a lot of fires in noblesville there's not a ton of house fires and mm-hmm. we're not really writing that many speeding tickets to be honest with you but we are dealing with folks thank that you are, by the way yeah. thank you thank <laughs> i know you, you were you were late yeah. getting here nathan i'm sure you hustled through here <laughs> actually um, actually i had a, just an amazing experience on sunday yeah. on my way to church i got pulled over but i i you know it's great when the law has mercy to it yes. and this particular police officer was very merciful what to me. what what jurisdiction were you in oh i was in noblesville <laughs> really oh yeah oh, one of the guys and, yeah. and and they pulled me over and they said, where are you off to? And uh, actually I'm going to preach a message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you like me to include you in the prayer list? And I mean, thank you so much. Well, we are very grateful to uh, well, awesome, awesome police officers. Tangent on this story. So two weeks into office back in 2020, I didn't have my city vehicle yet. I had to go meet with mayor fatness who I know really well down in Fishers. And so I was cruising down there, going down Allisonville by Connor Prairie. And I guess I was going like 13 over or something like that. Luckily I was only going 13 over. I got pulled over by one of his fine, uh, 
public servants there. And uh, they, of course, didn't, I didn't say a word of who I was, didn't even, you know, nothing. And, and it was a, like a Florida car because it was a rental car and got a $250 ticket. Oh, and uh, <laughs> so I texted him. I was like, hey, just met one of your, one of your finest. He's like, yeah, that's, that's too bad. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. Well, I, I can't wait till you cross the 146th Street border, buddy. We'll be looking we'll for be you. We'll be looking right up for you. Yeah, Come on awesome. up, man. But uh, no, it, it's you we know, all need some grace from time. We do exactly yeah. right. But you know, back to my point about public safety. You know, we we and you know, we're not writing a ton of those tickets, but we are dealing with folks that are um, you know homelessness and, and addiction and and mental health challenges, um, all sorts of challenges that we're seeing that you guys see on your front doorstep yeah, we, here. We really do. The the thing that is very concerning to me because we have, you know, we have two of our campuses that are in Hamilton County, yeah. one in Fishers, one here. We also have a campus that's uh, in Indianapolis on, on the northwest side in Eagle Creek. And we've just opened one in Pendleton in Madison County. It's the first one in, in Madison County. But um, the the concern that a lot of us have is drugs. Yeah. Um, dr- drugs, you can have a really, really good home, but because it's so prevalent, so talked about in our, in our music and in our culture, and it's no big deal. Marijuana's no big deal. That's not the way it was when I I, I was growing up. It was the say no to drugs sure, campaign. Say no. We there. we didn't touch it. You know, here's your brain. Here's your brain on drugs. Egg frying in a skillet, and it it was stuff I never imagined that drugs would come near my family. Uh, you know, I've kept my kids in church. I, I've tried to do all that, but drugs did make it towards my family. And and I'm watching the addiction that's happening in people's private lives as we say, as a society, more yes and yes and yes to drugs. Oh, it's cool. It's fine. It, everybody does this. And and I, I wonder what you guys are doing, you know, from a government perspective, because this is, if you say yes to marijuana, it's a gateway. It's only going to bring more and more and more. And I think there's a lot of people like me. We we want it hit really hard. What mm-hmm. what is the what's the stance of Noblesville on how you're dealing with addiction and drugs? Yeah, well, to your point, Nathan, that it doesn't discriminate That's issues right. of addiction does not discriminate. It doesn't matter whether you, you know, there was a time in early 2020 when the pandemic was hitting that we had had more people that had died by suicide in nobles and then had died of COVID-19. Mm. And these were not people that were living, you know, in, in a, in a, bad area of town or i mean these were people who were living on the golf course or on the lake and they were going through some massive mental health challenges because of the pandemic and because of other reasons so it doesn't discriminate it's an and i would tell you i think any anyone listening to this podcast and anyone in this room with us right now will tell you that they know someone or someone in their family has been impacted by drugs and alcohol and addiction going forward and we've got to lean into the reality around that so we launched a program two years ago called noble act which is a proactive paramedicine program the idea about it is it's a branch of our of our police department and it involves the fire department but we try to get with those folks that are dealing with drug addiction or mental health challenges and even our senior community and i'll I'll touch on them in a minute too getting ahead of that before they become really ingrained into our, our our legal system you know, if we can if we can get them the services they need and the rehab treatments that they need, and we have tons of not for profits in Hamilton County that are focused on helping giving those people a hand up, not a handout, a hand up to get them back on their feet. If we can get to them before they become a member of our, into our legal system, um, not only is that the right thing to do as society, but on, honestly, selfishly, it has a huge financial benefit to the city mm-hmm. of Noblesville. You know. 
I mentioned early on, we have a $93 million annual operating budget. 47.8% of that is focused on police and fire. Mm -hmm. So 47.8% of a $93 million budget is going towards public safety. So if we can reduce those 911 calls, if we can, you know, if you've ever called 911, you know, you don't just get one vehicle, you get the whole shebang showing Mm -hmm. up at your Mm -hmm. community, at your home. If we can reduce those and, and help get those folks the help they need ahead of time, we actually have a fiscal benefit to the city of Noblesville and freeing up some more taxpayer dollars to focus more on core needs and core services of the city of Noblesville. I mentioned our senior community. They're often ones that are, are frequent flyers to 911. Trips, slips, and falls are a big oh, yeah. issue we face. But so part of Noble Act, Ben Luger and his team will go into senior seniors homes if they'll willingly let them in and help identify some of those trip hazards those mm-hmm. slip hazards helping make their own home more safe going forward um, because that again has a long-term fiscal impact on the city of noblesville so we've leaned in on this issue we acknowledge that it's there we know that there's a addiction and mental health challenges in our community we're not going to shy away from that mm-hmm. we're going to double down on that we're going to lean in and get folks the the treatment that they need to get them back as, as a, a productive member of society going forward. Yeah. One of the things that you said there that I've always been been harping on is the government understanding its role. And sometimes as, as just a society, we tend to tell the government to do all the things that God ordained for maybe the church to do or the family to do, or like we say, government, just like, just take care of our, of our, you know, our healthcare needs, right? Well, that was never the government's job in the first place. And the government doesn't do a good job of that. So when you mentioned something, you said, you know, you, you work with those nonprofits. A lot of them have a faith background probably. And I love that because you, you know, the government probably isn't going to be good at being the, the taking care of the homeless, the poor, the needy, the orphan, the widow, but, but they can help, but they need to be, then you, you're, you're helping to push the nonprofits or the, the, the church, if you will, uh, out on the front lines, because that's really, that's really who has the power to really change it effectively and efficiently. Micah, right? I don't think government does much well Yeah, at all. Yeah. I, re- I really don't. I, I, don't, I agree. I don't think we're designed. I know you do. I know I'm playing right to your We're from the government yes. and yeah. we're here to help. It's yeah, true, yeah, you know, right, but yeah. we are not designed to do those type of things. The yeah. private sector, the faith-based community are huge partners. So like I said, Ben Luger and his team are talking all the time to Nancy Chance at Good Samaritan Network, yeah. to our church communities, to whoever that may be to, to get these resources. Government can be a connector of those resources. Yep. Absolutely can be a connector of those resources. That's what we're trying to do with Noble Act here. Amazing. But but to your point, government does not do much well. Yep. You know, and that's yep. where we get sometimes in this economic development conversation about creating jobs. And sometimes our friends in DC are oh out there trying gosh. to create government does not create yeah. jobs. Government creates an environment and helps foster an environment where the private sector comes along and can grow and thrive and create those jobs. And that if, is you, so if you well know yep. if you know those roles, you, you can lead so much more effectively going forward. Yeah. One of the things we try to do on this podcast, uh, because we're two pastors of a local church we're always trying to talk to other pastors about standing up being bold you know getting involved and uh you know i've asked all of my campus pastors go go have conversations with your mayors yeah. and find out what the community needs you know just just tell us so if if a pastor were to come to you and or you know they're going to go to a mayor in a different city what are some things that you would tell them to do because we're always looking for effective ways to do outreach um that's that's something our people want to do we at here at life church will put on the red shirt go go have the serve shirt go do something and and if we talk to somebody about jesus along the way that's great but we're just out there trying to serve our community and i think there's a lot of pastors that would love to 
go there, they don't know where to start. They might be a little intimidated of talking to their mayor because maybe they think my church isn't big enough to tackle. We're pretty that intimidating need. people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I, have, we're, I have two doodles at home. You do <laughs> run. You do run a seven minute mile. I do so run. A, so I, I mean, it's like it's like a, right. it's like a box truck going downhill, guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is not a good look. But tell tell us what you know. Give give some some pastor out there a little bit of advice how to talk to the mayor and how they can help. Them well, one of the best things I would say is that churches in particular can mobilize people. That's what they do. You know, you you get them to come in your door every Sunday or Saturday night or whenever it is. Mm -hmm. You can mobilize people. I always push back and say, well, what do you think Life Church, for example, what's your strength? You know, what do you guys want to focus on that? I don't want, I don't think it's, it, it's helpful if a church cries to say, well, we can send two people over to do this and two people here and we can maybe house a few people here. Let's, let's focus on one area where you can really make an impact. You know, in Noblesville, I would say when it comes to like food pantry, White River Church has a strong oh, yeah, food pantry. Grace has an incredible mm-hmm. care center. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to feeding homeless in the Methodist church, I know does uh, meals on us. When it comes to fostering a private sector, a nonprofit, you guys are really in touch with, um, uh, Transformations, Transformations yeah. you know, right yeah. here. So you know where your bread and butter is. You you've latched on already to kind of a, a, a an area where you are being called to do. So I would say let's double down in that area. And well, and to your credit, just for our listeners' sake, you know, when we came to you with the idea of you know what we wanted to do to try and help that particular ministry, yeah. you were like. I want to make this happen. How can I help you? You have brought us in. You have made your people available to us. You've tried to eliminate bureaucratic red tape to get us be to be able to do that. Thank you, by the way. It really means it really means it's not easy. I know. You know, it's not easy. And and God bless. There's great public servants that work for every municipality or the state level, and they're great people trying to do great things, and they're trying to follow the rule. But sometimes I'm like, Are you trying to tell me how I how I say no? Are you trying to tell me how I get to yes? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, show me how I. Can get to, and it may not yeah. be perfect, but no, how can right. I work to try to get to yes, yes here? Yeah. This is a group of people trying to do good in a community. How do we come alongside? I always get teased. I use that phrase all the time. Come alongside them and try to cut through that red tape and get them to a yes standpoint. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's you know, exactly and it's not always right. perfect, and yeah. we're not always perfect, but, yeah. but uh, there's got to be a way. There's there, always it, a way, and, and we appreciate that so much because I think the thing that just drives just the average citizen through the just up the wall is is the red tape where government just says, no, like you can't do, you can't put this, like you can't do this to your own property, right? right. Like it's like, it's like, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, it's like, you know, freedom loving people be like, hey, this is my property. And we understand there's rules and you want, well, you don't sometimes wanna... we need to do a better job explaining why yeah. certain rules are in yeah. place. You know, like if you do X to your property, yeah. this why may happen to your neighbor's yeah. property. And then you're going to get really ticked because your mayor's all mad or your neighbor's all mad at you. You know, so, but we've got to be better along. It don't just instantly like, no, you can't. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, and you could. Here's some ways to do it. That's great. Mm-hmm. And if you do it, this may happen. Yeah. You know, and just to, just to talking with folks. How to get to yes? I love How that. How do you get to yes? I love that perspective. It's ah. like thank you because typically the government's just like nope, nope, next, move on, no. next person, right? Yeah. How do you get to you? How can we help you as the government? How can we help you accomplish your dreams and your vision for your own life? Yes. However, that I mean, that's really well. And yeah. seeing the big picture, especially a lot of these things that we get approached on are, are things that benefit the city of Noblesville. Yeah. You know, they, they play right into the pillars of our administration. You guys, you guys, with transformation that mm-hmm. plays right into our Noble Act program and what we're trying to mm-hmm. do to get people resources. So this isn't just us versus you. This is actually us working with you on something that we want to see achieved, yeah. be achieved. That's great. Yeah. It's, it, it makes such a difference when, when leadership, you know, I, I think the Bible is probably the, the, the best definitive book on leadership. Yeah. We get to see what, 
what people are naturally, what, what they struggle with naturally. We're going through the book of uh, Samuel right now. And so we're seeing, you know, a king rise up, incredible potential. And then he goes off off course. And it's a lot of, you know, pride that comes into their heart or that's it's, it's uh, self-ambition or whatever. But leadership is truly how kind of Jesus models it. it it's, it's the servant leader. Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom, will become servant of all. So to have people in our city government who have servant mentality, we work for you. Yeah. Boy, do you know yeah. how refreshing that yeah. is <laughs> to hear an American gov- you know, government leader say, we work for you. How can I help you? How do we get to yes? That is so refreshing for any citizen who feels things have gone crazy in this nation. Yeah. You get this elite class of people trying to rule us rather than serve us. And we're back there fighting, trying to remind them, no, you have a responsibility to the constitution. Mm-hmm. Nobody made you dictator in chief. Correct. You know? So I just want to thank you for that, nice. that heart and spirit, which is really coming out here in Noblesville from the police officers down. I mean, just, it's, it's, it's awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And it's funny that you mentioned Samuel because um, I read a book. I'm actually reading it again for probably the third or fourth time called chase the lion by Mark Batterson. Oh, yeah. Great book. And, and it's yeah. about second Samuel and Beniah who's goes into the lion's yeah. den and conquer. That has been the entire theme of our administration. That's why I challenged our team from day one is to, to take a look at this book and chase a lion and the whole subtext of the book is if your dreams don't scare you they're not big enough and so that's really where our point of leadership two and a half years ago started from there's a huge lion in my office that's what that stands yeah, for um and and so that has what not, not a real really, lion not a real lion <laughs> not a real lion this is a, it's well, on the wall it's on the this balcony the smoking a cigarette yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> exactly right can't believe i said that um but you know, that's really so when people want to know where i'm coming from as a leader that's yeah. what's driving me every single day i'm gonna i'm gonna dream big and then that those dreams may, you know, they could fall on their face. Sometimes I, I get that. It's not always perfect, but I'm going to aim high. And I always said, you know, we may fall as administration. We may trip up, but we're going to trip moving forward. Yeah. Good. So, uh, so how do you protect that servant heart? Because you, I, I really, what I love about you, Chris, is that you, I, I've seen a servant heart. Like since I've known you, there's, there's this, we may not always agree on sure. policy, like conservative values or whatnot, but like there may be aspects of that where we disagree. And, but the thing I can appreciate is like every time, you know, I always reach out to you, you're always like, how can I help? How mm-hmm. can I help? And there's, that's an amazing, like Nathan was saying, an amazing attitude for a government leader. Uh, how do you keep it that way? That's the question, because I think a lot of, a lot of people who get into politics, they come in with that same attitude. And then 20 years They're down the jaded. road, yeah, like yeah. It, it, it changes. They start seeing themselves more as kings and queens that are to be served rather than to be the servant themselves. So I guess, you know, and I know you're, you're a man of faith. And, uh, and so I guess talk about that for a second. How's your faith kind of impacted this? And how are you putting up the, this is first term. So I think you're probably going to be in government for many more years to come, Lord willing. And and so how do you kind of put those 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 guardrails up in your well first of all i think and and i'm sure you can speak to this too as a head of a church you know i surround myself with people who humble me i i I want a team around me that are going to challenge me every single day that are going to push back now honest we're going to we're going to come out united when we make decisions you know and i'm i'm the ultimate you know it it, the buck stops with me Mm -hmm. but i want a team that's going to push back on me every single day and challenge my way of thinking that's huge in my opinion i also am married to somebody who is not impressed with me (laughs) (laughs) don't impress me not impressed at all have you told her that you can Um, run a seven minute mile she knows she laughs she's laughs you know she's 
to, you know, gosh, I know. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll go out to dinner one night or something like that. The next morning I'll get on the scale. She's like, how's that treating you? And I'm, I'm like, yeah. So she, she is, I mean, she just is the most um, humbling person that I have in my, I mean, she loves me for who I am. Absolutely. Sure, yeah. But she is going to, you know, push back on that. And I am, when I walk in the door, I am, I am a father and I am a husband, you know, the, the mayor thing. Go, and she, you know, she knows what I do on a daily basis, but that that comes first. And, you know, you know, that comes first for me and I'm a man of faith. That's really ultimately comes first, you know, and, um, I, I, every year I try to try to think about kind of a new theme for myself. And this year I actually spoke about it during the MLK, uh, ceremony. I think, I think it's Luke 23, 34, I believe, but that whole subtext is about loving them anyways. And, and so I've really, that's been my mission this year is to love them anyways. And, mm-hmm. and so lean in and cause you know, Micah, you're the king of this, but you get some haters every once in a while that, that, that don't love you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank uh, you. Question. Mark. You know, and, uh, and, and so <laughs> my goal is that I've got to always remind myself to love them anyways. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and know that even when people get upset with me, whether it be about parking in downtown Noblesville or traffic or that I'm destroying the community. That's always my favorite one. Like (laughs) I live here. I love this place, but I'm just trying to destroy it. Um, You know, uh, usually there's something going on in their life. There's usually something underneath it. You probably see it all the time. Oh yeah. You peel back the layers with folks and usually there's an issue underneath it that they just want to be heard. That is the the truest thing to, to just take the time to listen to people and when they're angry, yeah. they want to be heard. If you listen to them, you will take most of the fire out yeah. of them. I got, I got ripped a new one during uh, um, snow season this last time because there was a cul-de-sac that didn't get plowed in, in a certain mm-hmm. amount of time. And so I ended up calling this lady who was so mad. I had a, my baby on my hip. She was screaming in the phone. And, and the lady was really mad. And then, But you know, after some conversation, it came to find out that her daughter, who's in high school, was trying to get to work. She has a lot of anxiety about driving. She was at Noblesville West Middle School during mm-hmm. the shooting and had some, mm-hmm. had some, still, yeah. some people. PTSD from that. Wow. And so eventually we, we peeled it all back and it really wasn't even about an unplowed cul-de-sac. It was about her daughter who was struggling with some anxiety because of some things that happened in her past. Yeah. And we had a great conversation about it. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there's always something underneath there. You know, what, one of the things too, that to your point about the haters, I've just asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, help me to always remember that our battle is not with flesh and blood. Yeah. You know, like Paul says, like we're, we are to see, like they may be saying some of the most like hate filled, like terrible things towards you and your family, but ultimately that's not them really speaking. It's really the demonic forces behind them. It's, it's really a spirit of, of like you said, anxiety or fear or something that's in that's that's being able to essentially like influence influence their words, influence them. And if you can if you can see that, I mean, and I'll be honest with you, Chris. Like there are times where I'm like, I want to haul off and punch Look, somebody. I can't see it. Yeah, I can't but, see it. But <laughs> but then, love you, yeah, right? But then you know, I think the Lord just says, hey chill out. This is, this is not with them. You're fighting, you're fighting the forces of darkness that it's an ideological battle. Really? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's really, it's a mind battle and you're fighting those, those spirits that are trying to warp the thinking of this person that is that. So pray against the spirit. And then once you start doing that, you can actually, I mean, one of the, one of the best tools that I've found is pray blessings over the person that is attacking you, right? right. When you start right. praying blessings for them, say, Lord, just let your goodness just rest upon them. Bless their life, bless their family, bless their whatever endeavors they're doing, bless them. It really kind of like changes your heart in that moment. And you begin to see them, you, you almost, not in a bad way, but you almost, you, your heart begins to break for them. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you know that they're yeah. going through something. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. impossible to hate someone that you're praying for. Yeah. Uh, and you know, prayer really releases you prayer, prayer changes your heart in order to forgive people. They may not know that what even they're doing to you is, 
is is offending you the way it is or hurting your heart. And Jesus really modeled that for us whenever he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's First off, he's praying for them. Secondly, a person doesn't need to know what they're doing against you in order for you to take a stance where I choose to forgive, love them anyway, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm going to do this. When I was uh, a teenager, when I was young, I had a terrible, terrible temper. And um, the Lord told me, at 15 years old, he wanted to help me get over that temper. And, and he said, your problem, Nathan, is that you think that you're more important than everyone else. And what I want you to do is just begin to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. If you're driving and somebody gives you the finger, stop instead of getting angry and letting your pride rise up, just stop and go, maybe they're going through something that's more than what you're going through. Maybe their day started pretty loud. Maybe they're running to an emergency you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. And then you go from wanting to curse them back to blessing them. Yeah. And you know that really God's done a work in you through the process of that. But it it changes the way that you can carry when, when people aren't liking you. And I think that you have to make an active choice to live that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it's such it's a, a better, it's, it's a, a such a, it is a discipline. Yeah. And it's such a better way to live too. You know, and I will, I will go one step further than you said. It, it's almost impossible to hate somebody you're praying for. It's, I think it's even in today's culture, even harder to hate somebody that you actually sit and meet. Mm-hmm. You know, we have so many battles fought now on the interwebs, mm-hmm. uh, the Facebooks <laughs> of the world. And, Thank you, you know, Al Gore. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> it's all um, his fault. You know, and, and, and Mike and I were talking about this before we went on the air, but if you just take a minute to get to know somebody, sit, sit down and have a cup of coffee with them. Yep. You may disagree, and I welcome the disagreement. I think yep. society, we need to get better about disagreeing, but you, you struggle to hate the person when you get to know them. Yep. Some of my favorite times when I was running for Congress on the campaign trail is when I'd do meet and greets, but I'd be surrounded by liberal <laughs> atheists. Like I'd be in a place where there weren't conservative Christians. It, it was really more that like left-leaning, uh, non, non-God kind of mindset. And, uh, and I love those times because typically in a room, you're, you're, you're able to stay somewhat cordial. It's not like, you, you, it's not like you're looking through a screen sure. and there's no, sometimes it's easy to blast people on a screen because there's no, it, you, you haven't humanized anyone. You, it's just, you think you're just kind of throwing it out there on the interwebs just, and it's, it's like, oh, they'll get over it or you don't, you don't see them as a person. But in those moments when I was on the campaign trail, those were awesome because I knew that they were, they were all disagreeing with me. But it was like iron sharpens iron, right? Like I, if I don't have the ability to defend my point of view, my worldview, and my my ideology uh, based on history and fact and what God's word says, then I don't know this subject well enough. I need to go back and study it before I come out here and act like I can speak on this. And so I thought of those were always my those were the times I love. I mean, I the room when you're around the all the echo chamber people, that's fine. Uh, but but boy, when you got into the places where people were like, I completely adamant. I was walking in the Noblesville parade, yep. and there was this guy that I stopped, or that he looked at me. Somehow we made eye contact. I'll never forget this. And so I went over to him, shook his hand, and he says, "I disagree with everything you stand for." And I said, "Hey, I said I appreciate you saying that." And I somehow I said, reach. Uh, what I told him, I said, "Hey, reach out to me on social media. We'll grab coffee." And he did. To yeah. his credit, he did. And so a couple weeks later, we grabbed coffee at Noble Coffee and Tea for, to talk for three hours. Yeah. And I think at the at the end of the coffee, we, we both said, "Hey, we may disagree, but I think we found we've we found a friendship here." You know, that's the best. You know, yeah. I, I would say, you know, those are the ones. How are you supposed to get better as a leader when you're surrounded by yes people? Yeah. You know, or, or you know, I always laugh when you, you know I, we were both Republicans, right? And you go to during a campaign, you'll go to some like Lincoln 
Sunday dinner or something and you're sitting there and you're like, why am I here? I, these people are all, they're all the, they're all on the team. Yeah. If I've lost this, I'm, I'm done. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. I gotta go, I gotta go win some others yeah. over, you know, right. I gotta go spend some time with those that don't agree or don't see yeah. it the same yeah. way. That's how iron sharpens iron. And that's how I'm going to make a difference is, and I, I'm not trying to convert you to my side, but I'm, yeah. I want you to see my perspective. Yeah. That's right. Well, you're definitely, you, you grow the most whenever you're surrounded by people who think differently yep. than you. That doesn't mean that you have to match what they think, mm. but you're at least learning. Uh, you, I, I like the the word you use, just that echo chamber. And that's, I, in all honesty, that's what happens to the church sometimes when they get to the point where they're just caring for their own, but they're not actually evangelizing. Mm-hmm. You know, our job is to go out and make disciples and and then teach them to obey and show them why this is a better way of life, which kind of leads me to, you know, maybe the last question I'd like to ask you if I could is, there's so many of us, we love fiscal government and- did you I, say so many? I don't know if I would say there's so many of us. If you go to Walmart like fiscal government? and you, you would go to Walmart, do you like fiscal policy that the government lays out? <laughs> no, I no, think no. probably nine out of 10 people there's are going to be so like, many in the oh, echo chamber. I'm sorry. Let me, let me say this. Conservative fiscal <laughs> oh, okay, government. Okay, yeah, there you okay, go. Okay, gotcha. that, okay. That, that, it's not fiscal where, policy. Where our just... fiscal government is conservative. <laughs> sure. Right? Let me, let me rephrase. Um, we like that. And what we see happen is on the social issues, our leaders tend to depart. They go more moderate or they go, you know, more left. And we're just dying for people to stay conservative in all of our values because it's not just the money conservatism that makes a city great. It's it's the it's the social order of things, right? Standing up for the for for the traditional family, you know, making sure that we're telling our kids, you know, we don't we don't want to have kids pregnant everywhere. Tell them they don't have to be like, you know, I think, you know, the passing out condoms everywhere and and saying we expect you to be like a cat in heat. No, we don't. We don't expect you to be like a cat in heat. You're made in the image of God, right? By being able to speak life and truth into their life from a uh, from a, a, where where God says this is really the way to live, that has fiscal implications of welfare and crime and education and all these different things. There's a lot of us that would love to see our leaders stand strong on conservative. This is how you want, you want to get wealthy. Don't get pregnant before you get married. Right? Don't don't let that happen to you. Yeah, if that happens to that's you, it, yeah. it's one of the number one indicators of your you're going to be in poverty now, right? And how do we get our civil leaders to risk speaking on the social issues that are are in conjunction with with God's word and that which is tried and true? Well, I think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier in terms of putting a program in place, such as Noble Act, for example, that's going in and and working with those, acknowledging the reality of society and coming alongside those and giving them the hand up that they need. Get them the tools, not just write them a check to get them out of wherever they need to be, not just bailing them out or whatever it may be, really teaching them the skills that they need to become a productive member of society. And that's what we try to do from our from our noble act perspective. Um, that's what we try we try to do every single day. I think fiscal conservatism is incredibly important in this on the city side. It, it's 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 mandated that we pass a balanced budget, for example, as a community. As a community, um, now if we can just get Washington to follow, yeah, that's a imagine? whole different ballgame. You're the one who ran for that seat. So, um, but back to your point, it, it, it's looking at our society 
analyzing as a whole where our weak spots are and how can we come alongside and stand up. I, I believe programs like that, getting them in touch with the faith-based community, get the, getting them into um, Christ-like organizations who, who, who can speak to them and, and help guide them on their walk is an important way that we can help influence that going forward. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, um, I, you know, I think what we've seen, well, at least what I've seen in the Republican party in Indiana, the last few years is that there's this, there's this move to separate this idea that we can be successful and very prosperous as a Hoosier state and remove traditional family values away from it. Uh, you go back to the two, uh, 2018 uh, convention when state party leadership tried to remove marriage from the, the traditional wording of marriage from the state party platform. It got shot down pretty quick by the delegates. But but there's just been a little bit of a push from GOP leadership to say, well, we want to be a large tent. We want like we don't want somebody who has maybe in, has a different looking family, like maybe a homosexual family, to not think they're welcome. So we're gonna we're gonna lower our standards. To which my reply is like, hey, they can be welcome. We like we're gonna welcome anyone into the GOP if, as long as they you know if if they have these particular values. Um, you don't have to necessarily agree on every aspect of the platform to be a Republican, but we shouldn't lower our gold standard and say, oh well, you know, strong nations really and strong societies really. It, the family really doesn't have much to do with it. The nuclear family doesn't have much to do with it. Statistics will say the opposite. And so going going forward, I think to Nathan's point, you know, just having strong, bold leadership, especially from the Republican side, and I know, Chris, you're a Republican, uh, just to say, hey, we, we recognize that God God's the, the the master designer of the family. And when those families operate the way that that he says they should operate, we're going to get a, we're going to, all the things you were talking about, the poverty, the drug addiction, the, the spending money on, you know, police forcing, uh, it, it's all going to start to go down. And, and I think, you know, but how do you do that in a way? Cause I know, you know, that Chris, like you're not, it's not something that you're, mm-hmm. it's foreign to you. You know, the Lord, you're, mm-hmm. you know, his word, but you also are surrounded with people now, especially in our generation, millennials, where they say, Hey, I don't believe in your God, right? I don't believe that traditional marriage is right for me and my family. How do you still say, Hey, that's fine. You can believe that. But when you're not going to be able to chip away at the foundations, because we know the foundations of the United States were birthed out of biblical values. And it's not to say everybody has to be a Christian. It's to say, how do you protect those biblical values that create prosperity and freedom for everybody? Even those who hate biblical values, it will still be prosperous, prosperous for them. How do you in your role just say, you know, I'm, how do you protect that? I guess is my question. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I think actions speak louder than words, right? And so I get judged every day on how I am as a leader. But I think to your point, it goes back to kind of loving them anyways. You know, th- those are those hard conversations to have. And, and we're seeing more of a diverse culture. Um, we see it every single day. You know, you and I are millennial by, I think, like by six months or so, you know, it's still a millennial. And, and we're seeing some diverse perspectives come forward. And and you're seeing that on, on every. Hey, do you know who's not a millennial? Not a millennial. Not a millennial. That guy's old. A he's old he's and skinnier old. than us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget it. He's with. skinnier and he's wearing those joggers, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, but, but back to your back to your point about, you know, 
whether it be the Republican or, or corporate Democrat party, you know, trying to this big tent idea, which I think is important, but at the same time, to your point, you don't have to lessen the standards. And, and I think it comes back to our ability to disagree on certain issues, yeah. remaining true to who we are as a party and as a, as a faith, but know that there are going to be some folks that disagree with different perspectives of that and, and understand that that is okay. They're still welcome. We don't also though have to go and bend every rule in order to fit every single person into a neatly defined box. So in, in it's a, it's a balancing act, be, act because let's just hypothetically, I'm going to throw this out. What if you had AOC coming into the GOP in, uh, in, in Indiana? I mean, she's a socialist. She's a, if she's not fiscally conservative in any way, shape or form, but she says, okay, but I want to be a part of the Republican party in Indiana. Is this a big tent party? Uh, are you going to let me in? You know how we would probably say, uh, no, you're nuts. Like this is not the place for you. I guess if you want to be here, but how do you protect the 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 sheep from the wolf coming in? Right. Like I would look at AOC when it comes to just any type of governance. Period. We don't want her in the Republican Party. Right now, that's the that's an exclusive thing to say. Right. That's hard sometimes. Like how do you balance? That? You know, but I, I think you have to make sure that the sheep are well educated what the Republican Party stands yeah, for. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I would love to see what sheep would follow that wolf when she comes in. <laughs> you know, but but. Honestly, you know, yeah. at the same time, if she comes in and says, I want to be part of the Republican Party, I think delegates and the voting re- or the voting public of the Republican Party are going to take care of that problem yeah, on its own. Hopefully, yeah. And if they if they don't, and if some folks follow that, then I think we have to ask ourselves, like, Yeah, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, like maybe <laughs> yeah, we might have dodged we a few bullets to, there. You know what I mean? To, like yeah, that might yeah, be okay. Yeah. You know, so, that may be okay. So much of the millennial generation doesn't believe in absolute truth. Uh, when you get this down, you know the, we, we, we know. We were talking we know, about. We know this. as Christians that the, the the Bible says that the law has been written on our hearts. We in our hearts know what is right and wrong. We may not want to admit it in the world today, but we do know that's not right. That's not right. Theft is not right. Murder's not right. Having sex with somebody who's not my wife is not right. You know, we we know these things, and yet there's this movement in the world today as to well you know, what's right for you might not be right for me. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to kill lived the experience is the truth of now. absolute truth. And when you do that, you know, you can't call a sin a sin because even preachers right now are struggling tremendously. You just got back from a David Barton thing, Micah, you yeah. know, and, and where preachers don't want to touch on what's right and wrong. We don't want to possibly offend this family or possibly offend this family. Um, but, but the whole thing comes crashing down when we can't stand on the solid rock, which is truth. Only you know? 38%, this is a fascinating statistic, only 38% of pastors, a Barna study did this, in the United States believe that God's word is is inerrant and it's it's spoken it is it is authoritative, uh, authoritative. and um out of those 38 percent only 2.8 percent actually plan to address government and political issues from that perspective so there's really only 2.8 percent of pastors in our nation right now that are bold enough to engage in this political battle and i think chris you would probably say this too like politics is just whose morality is making the rules right like so who's like you you're you're governing based on your set of morals that you have allowed the lord to to uh shape your your heart you're shaping your mind and your worldview but what happens if you get some guy in there after you that completely is a marxist uh that wants to and he says well my truth is that this is good how do we as a culture and as a party in indiana 
you know, protect that and stop and keep that from happening. I guess. Well, and I think you know, it comes down to not only governing to your moral truth, but governing to the constitution as yeah, well, you yeah. know, and the, and the regulations sit there. But I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, if, if a Marxist follows me, um, I've done something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, you have. I think something you have to trust. I, yeah, wrong. I think you have to trust the voters, though. Yeah. Too, you have to trust the, cult, the the society which we laid out, and you have to lead by example and show positive leadership there. You know, and I think as a party, we have to be. Um, you know, back to your point about about, about preachers who are scared to you know acknowledge you know, offend certain people. Well, what are you afraid of? Yeah. What are you afraid? Are you afraid of losing a family from your congregation who may go somewhere else? So they disagree. That's isn't that okay though? Yeah. You know, isn't that isn't that they're gra- not yours? Isn't that the yeah. greatest thing about like the You know, you have Life Church here. You have you know, name any one yeah. of them around here. Yeah. And if it doesn't fit here for them, that's okay. Aren't they allowed to choose where they want to go? You know, and, and aren't you allowed then to preach if if, if you're going to preach on the ultimate truth? Can't you do that and let the folk let the chips fall where they yeah. it, we're so scared as a society to speak out um, because of afraid being afraid of offending somebody, which I, I get there's a there's a politeness there. I'm not saying be brazenly rude to somebody, sure, right. but you're allowed to speak your truth. And if somebody disagrees with you, that's OK. They're allowed to, you know, it, they, they can go seek out what they want to seek yeah. out, you know. But but again, if you live in, in, in faith and, and, and rooted in what you truly believe, people will follow that who, who want to be a part of that. And yeah. I believe culturally that there's still a mainstream that want to be a part of that. Yeah. I think there's a difference between being a politician and being a leader. Mm-hmm. Oh, hundred uh, percent. I, I think, I think you can, you can run for office. You could be successful in that way. And there's a, there's a difference between that and being a leader and being a leader is often a lonely place. Oh. It's, it's uh, people, people don't understand they're not going to like you. You don't get to put your finger up into the political wind and just see which way the wind's blowing. Being a leader requires sticking to your guns when the whole, you know, the, the, the whole group's against you. But that's why you're the leader because it's hard to be that. Well, two things. One, it, it's lonely when they say it's lonely at the top, right? Yeah. It, it, it is, but it isn't. I have learned so much more about myself and my faith over the last couple of years because mm. it's not lonely if you have, if you root yourself in your faith. You know, and know that you are not the ultimate the, authority. The Lord's with you. The Lord's yeah. with you. And you're you not know, and there have been one. moments that I'm like, please, yeah. I really need to know that you're with me here, man. And and but you know, and and then if you if you do what's right, now you may ultimately not right away feel like that loving that good feeling. But down <laughs> the feeling. but down the road, I mean, if you do what's right. It, the, the public will catch up to you. Sometimes you have to mm-hmm. explain it a little bit more. You have to lean on it. But it, you know, if you, if you govern and the way that you believe is right, I believe the public will, if somebody wants to tell me the best mayors, for example, are the ones that don't need the job mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. govern. Cause they, they want to make decisions that are right for the yeah. community. You're not afraid. I'm to not afraid to election. lose. I'm yeah. not afraid to lose. It's great, man. You know, that's and, and again, right. I, I'm going to work hard to not lose. I, I love the job that I have, but if I'm not afraid to lose, yeah, that's good. this isn't my plan. This is yeah. someone else's plan. I will go on and find the next chapter for Chris Jensen or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what's right. Yeah, Nobles, right. and, and then we'll let the chips fall in the future. That's you know, good. what's been really sobering is, um, you know, when you watch what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, the leaders are being kidnapped and put to death or tortured, right? Like, so the mayors of Mariupol yeah. and like, you know, <laughs> I know, Julie Jensen sees that. She's like, oh man. I, I mean, like, but that we've, 
we forget like for centuries when kingdoms or cities would fall, they would go to the leader and they would execute the leader in the public square. Uh, We just were preaching on what the Philistines did. Uh, They would cut the the head and the the hands off of the leader of the town or the nation that they, that they captured to say, you don't have wisdom to be able to lead your people. So that's why they cut your head off. And then you don't have the strength to actually do what you need to do to defend your people. That's why they cut your hands off. And, and, and to your point, Nathan, how leadership can be a very lonely place. We haven't, praise God, like we're not in that place right now, but you're looking at like what's happening in a, in 2022, uh, a Ukraine type, you know, like somewhat of a Westernized nation is, is experiencing things that two months ago they were going to school. They were shopping just like we were. Their leaders were probably, you know, like, Oh, I'm just the mayor. Like I, you know, it's not, nothing. nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Right. right. And now they're the ones that are being executed or hauled off because they've stood up. I mean, it really does sober your mind to say, wow, leadership can be lonely. Do I have what it takes to win? Everything is against me. Will I still stand and, and do what's right? You strike and, the shepherd and yeah. the sheep are scattered. That's yeah. that's the mentality of going after them. And also to, you know, well, not only did they cut their hands off and their heads off, did they they pinned their, their bodies to a wall as an example. You know, there's there's this fear tactic. We'll cancel you. We'll destroy you. We'll we'll end your life as you now know it, right? Yeah. And in order to get you to capitulate, um, to to whatever they want and i love that that spirit that you're saying it's okay if i lose i, I don't mm-hmm. care mm-hmm. you know and and jesus really told, taught us that in leadership is that if if you try to hang on to everything you'll lose it and listen and if you live your life in such a way that you're willing to lose it for my name's sake you'll gain everything That's so right. many people it, oftentimes get trying to please too many masters yeah. you know you're sitting here trying to please every single person and, and it just it, it, it doesn't yeah, work and good. maybe this will give you a little bit of uh, comfort if the russians do come for you uh, there's gonna there's gonna be two pastors that yes. will be right there with you yeah. uh you know uh fighting the good fight so just well, uh, again, i'm not i, I i'm maybe I, the three of us getting our getting uh hauled off but right. as long as you're excited about where you're going that's, right. that's you know? exactly right that's right yeah that's well chris thanks so much for joining us been a lot of fun yeah. so um uh nathan hey can you why don't you just pray pray over chris and over yeah, Noble Hill, if that's thanks, cool. heavenly father we thank you god for your amazing grace in our life we thank you lord for your callings uh lord every every person in this world has a calling on their life to fulfill you had problems in this world and you created lord uh instruments in your hand to do it and we just thank you for for chris we thank you for his administration all his leaders lord we thank you for uh lord our chiefs our police chiefs our fire chiefs god and 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 the leaders that go unnoticed in so many places lord would you bless them Father, bless their families. Bless, uh, Lord, all that they lay their hands to. Lord, we know that we want a righteous place to live. We want, we want there to be goodness in the world. And uh, we're depending on, on you to show us the right way to live and show us the methods that work best for governing your people well. Solomon prayed, Father, give me wisdom that I could, that I could lead your people well. And uh, so we pray that same thing. Your word says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. And Lord, as we pray for our mayors every, every week, Lord, so we lift up Chris and his family. Lord, bless him. It cause everything he touches to turn to gold. We pray in your mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank Amen. you. Amen. You bet. 
So, uh, Nathan, you going to go eat a pie right now? I uh, certainly eat a burger? could, and I'd gonna, still be beating uh, I don't know, man. You're oh, going to yeah. balloon up. It's going to be... be ballooning up, Dude, you're, you I learned stopped eating. Discipline. No, 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 I learned discipline. That's not My taking care of your temple. shrunk. I don't even have the same appetite I had before. <laughs> you don't Celery eat. sticks are not discipline. <laughs> I'm not That's eating right. celery sticks. No. I just, I, I realized how much crap I ate, and I ate any time I wanted to, and I ate when I was bored. <laughs> And I don't have that now. Well, obviously, we need to put you to work a little bit more around here because you were eating quite a bit. Yeah. What are you doing? I was eating a lot. Way to be the you hands know, and feet, man. Hey, uh, don't. I have Get gone by Rosie's and I see you nearly every time <laughs> I'm there. I, you know, so those butter cookies, job, man. That's exactly right. Oh, my right. goodness. Uh, all right. Well, this has been Jesus, Sex, and Politics. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And we talk about all those things that culture doesn't want to talk about. That'll scare you. We will catch you next time. 